Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Manoff, and today I sit down with Kendall Glazer, co-founder and creative director of customizable lifestyle accessories brand, Stony Clover Lane. When the brand comes to mind, I think of travel products, so I wanted to ask Kendall how the pandemic has affected the brand's sales and direction. Plus, I'm dying to know how she and her sister managed to launch the brand as teenagers in 2009. Welcome, Kendall. Thank you for having me. Talk to me. Thank you for being here. This founder story, 2009. How how young are we talking, teenager? (laughs) Uh, I was 17, and my sister, who we started uh, the company with, was 15. Stop. So how did you even approach this? Did you get help? Did you get outside help? <laughs> I mean, it's evolved a lot. Like the brand you you know today is not the brand that, that started Stony Clover. It started as beaded bracelets. It was a hobby, but we kind of always had this slight business mindset. So while we were making bracelets, people wanted to buy them. We're like, okay, let's sell them. We'd given them to a few celebrities by like, happenstance that we were able to meet them. We gave them the bracelet in a quick encounter. They would wear them in photos or like you'd see it on social media. And so we just kind of started to take this hobby that so many people were doing. So many other girls I knew were making bracelets, but we kind of just like went through the motions of turning it into a business. That's amazing. So the the brand that we know it, know it as today. uh, Yeah. For those who don't know it, tell us about Sony Clover Lane. Yeah. So we make customizable lifestyle accessories. So everything we make can be customized. We have thousands of patch options, uh, but they're not your traditional patch. We use them as like a tool of customization. It's not, you know, when you think of patches and jeans covered in in patches, it's not what it is. Um, And we have letters and icons and so many different things. So people will write their names, their initials, sort of like a modern monogram, um, I would say. People write, uh, they might label what the bag is being used for. So makeup, skin, travel, whatever it may be. And we have tons of color options, seasonal collections, licensed collab products. So the the product really ranges in there. There's something for everybody. Yes. Are you a direct-to-consumer brand? I know we've been hearing more so on the beauty side that uh, some retailers like Target are able to pull off customizable uh, products in store. But is that working for you or everything direct? No. Yeah. So we, it's all the customizable accessories are are direct from us, um, whether on our website or in our retail stores. And then we offer customized options for people who want to offer it wholesale. So other retailers or different people are able to sell the look of Stony Clover and the look of something customized using our most popular words, our most popular phrases, our most popular icons. Okay, great. What percentage are being sold through wholesale partners? Uh, the largest percentage is direct to consumer. It's a much smaller percentage that, that we do wholesale. Okay, great. Let's talk about the last uh, 10 years. When you... We're starting the brand. Uh, first of all, when, <laughs> at what point was it a full-time job? This is what I'm doing for a living. Did you get through college and all of that? Did that interrupt your your uh, education? What happened? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of crazy looking back. By the time I graduated, this was my full-time job. I never did anything else. But I was, you know, after my sophomore year, I was looking to apply to inter or during my sophomore years, I was looking to apply to, to internships. And at that same time, friends were, I think, like kind of jokingly being like, oh, you know, if we don't get this internship, can we come work for you? And this light bulb just really went off in my head where I was like, why am I going to work for somebody else when I really have, you know, this company here? 
and I can be doing everything. So in college, we started doing some pop-up shops. We did them in LA um, and then New York. And so it just really grew. And it was a it was a real business by the time I graduated. Yes. What can you tell me about the size of the company today? Uh, your maybe annual sales or revenue, the size um, number of team members? Yeah. So we don't we don't share any sales numbers, but I can say that we we're a little over a hundred employees uh, at this point. We do our fulfill. You know, that's between fulfillment, um, retail, and corporate employees. We do our fulfillment in house because of the customization aspect. So there's kind of three pillars of of where the employees uh, come from. Yes. Based in New York, is that correct? New York, yes. Yes. Is that going to be the business model moving forward? Uh, I know you are working from home right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm in Florida right now, but no, staying, staying in New York, um, that's where we, you know, that's where I moved right after college. That's where kind of started growing the brand and definitely plan. The plan is to stay in New York. Well, tell me about your physical retail strategy, because I know that as Everyone's focusing so hard, which I'm sure you're also focused on e-commerce. But as everyone's really zeroing in on digital, you are uh, expanding your your physical footprint. Yeah. So I think for us, what sets us apart, and I think for any retail that I've seen doing, you know, well right now, is when they're able to provide an experience, something different than you are able to get from the website. So our website experience, our online experience, is super important to us. 100%. But you when you're able to step in a store, it just it's totally different. You know, you can't recreate that exactly online as much as you may try. And for me, I thought I was seeing and same with my sister, we were like, what makes us want to go into a store? What you know, what are the reasons we're going and it was really about that experience. So our first store was in Palm Beach. Um, it's a little over two years now since it's opened. But that first store was really about creating a destination. We grew up in Palm Beach, but so many people are like, why Palm Beach? And we're like, New York, because that was kind of, I think, where everyone thought, just is obvious. It, it becomes one of every other store that starts in New York. We're in Palm Beach. It was so exciting. It was so exciting to the local community. There's tourists as well. So they get that experience. It felt like a destination. It felt aspirational. And that's exactly what we wanted. And there's so many people in Florida. We have people traveling from Miami to Jacksonville just to come to our store for the day to really come in and be like brought into the world of Stony Clover. What can you tell me about that experience and the world of Stony Clover? Is it events? Is it uh, kind of watching the customizable customization uh, IRL? Yeah. So it, kind of a little bit of everything, right? So since our brand is so focused on customization, a lot of our customers uh, get inspo from our Instagram. Our Instagram is just full of ideas. And when you walk into a store, we kind of compare it to walking into our Instagram feed in real life. You walk in and the walls are colored, rainbow colored, covered in so much inspiration that you could walk in, grab something off the wall and leave happy. Or you look around, you see all the different patch options. There is someone on site sewing. So you're able to kind of watch your product come to life. And we're all about the instant gratification, you know, usually it's pretty quick. Um, and we also curate a lot of third party product as well. Our favorite skincare, our favorite beauty products, hair accessories. So you can kind of take it beyond just the pouch, but maybe fill it with things that you would actually use it, give it as a gift. So really creating that whole experience. And then we do events all the time as well. and Love to bring our community into the store, encourage people to come in. Obviously, it's a little different right now, but we're still we're still finding ways to, to do some things. 
Yes. Who is your core customer? Is she also younger? Yeah. So I think a lot of people, they see color and they're like, you are a kid's brand. And as while we have a lot of children who are customers and we do a big children's business, we're not a kid's brand. Um, Our average age for our customer is late 20s to late 30s. Then it actually goes older before it goes younger. But there really is something for everybody. I think because of the wide range of colors, of styles, of patches, you could be the most rainbow, colorful person and find something that's don't over, or you can only wear black, not be into glitter and not be into color, and you can still come out with something that you love. And I think that that really makes it that it works for multi-generations. Mother comes in with their daughter. They're able to both make something for themselves. Grandparents with their grandchildren, they both walk out with something for themselves. So I know you opened your fourth store in Newport Beach uh, late last year. Uh, Do you have a big plans to roll out many more this year? So we're opening at least two more this year. We just announced our most recent uh, last week, which is Nashville. And previously we announced uh, New Orleans. So New Orleans and Nashville will be coming late spring, early summer, which I'm really excited about. Um, And we we have cities in mind. Um, for future locations, but it's kind of about finding the right space for us because it's so much about the experience. We're not going to take the cities that we're targeting and just go find a space in that city to open right away. It's really about we'll wait two, three years in one of those cities for the right space and then focus on something else in the meantime. Tell me what the right space is. Is it about a strip mall? Is it about, I know you did the cutest things. Tell I want to hear about your curbside <laughs> pickup yeah. strategy and all you were doing there. But yeah, what what's the perfect location for you? For us, it's a lot about the company, a lot about who is around us. We don't want to be in a mall, like a traditional shopping mall. We don't want to be in something that feels too commercial where you're around chains that you would maybe find in a mall typically. Um, you know, the strategy for Poor Palm Beach and in East Hampton, we're around a lot of stores that are a lot more expensive than Stony Clover. And we want to provide that super high level of guest experience that they might find walking into a luxury store, but something at a more affordable price point that really, you know, you may not want to buy a bag, but you can find something in our store. Some There's something for everybody. Someone might walk in with 10 bags and someone might walk in with a hair tie, but we want to make it accessible yet still being aspirational. And I think that has a lot to do with who we're around. And for us, it's a lot about our gut. Um, When we're looking at all of our locations where, you know, in New York, in Palm Beach, in New Orleans, we're like, when we're in that city, where are we shopping? Where are we going? You know, we've constantly been looking at LA for a long time. And we just were like, when we're in LA on vacation, you know, where, where are we actually going and spending our time? That's where we want to be because we look at ourselves really as the target customer. Yes. What was going on in those stores uh, in the last year? Did you already have a, a buy online, pick up in store option? Did you add, have to add a lot of bells and whistles to kind of uh, make these stores worth it? Yeah. So we didn't, we still don't really have a buy online, pick up in store. Definitely in the works and something I wish we had. Um, a little complicated with customization, but what we were kind of able to take each store and figure out what made sense. So for instance, in Palm Beach, our fulfillment happens in New York City. That was shut down for a, a big period of time. But in Palm Beach, we also have like an office space uh, where we use for the store as well. And we were able to bring back some of our employees to ship online orders 
out of Palm Beach because our online orders were out. We were able to kind of get creative with how we were using the spaces um, with what obviously made sense and keeping everybody safe, um, but wanting to also, you know, retain as many employees as possible and keep and be having people working. Um, and then, then we introduced our takeout strategy, which was really all about how do we offer something for somebody who doesn't feel comfortable coming into a store yet? Because, you know, our store in Palm Beach, Florida was on a very different opening path than a lot of other cities. And while stores may have been able to open, not everybody felt comfortable walking into a store. And I, you know, may have not felt comfortable walking in a store right away. So it's like, how do we how do we make someone still have that incredible Stony Clover experience? Because it is about that experience, even if they can't step foot in the store. And so it was inspired by kind of like a diner um, and happy meal takeout strategy where we created this box that was super cute. And it said Stony Clover Lane takeout. And the employee, when they would walk outside, they would wear this apron that had the takeout logo and we had a menu. And so it was pre-designed options, some of our most popular options that you could call, order. I mean, really, they would have been able to kind of kind of do anything. We were trying to make it easy. We had masks on our takeout menu as well and, and pouches that said masks. That was super popular. And then we had what we were calling our daily specials, which we were updating weekly to other popular designs. That's awesome. I mean, did you see uh, maybe this takeoff on Instagram or was there social buzz about the pickup experience? Yeah, there definitely was some social buzz. People were talking about it. I think it was really with so much uncertainty going on and everyone, you know, how who's going to come into a store when even when stores open? How How is retail going to survive? It was all about, well, then we need to pivot. Then we need to and it wasn't a huge pivot. It's more just like getting creative, right? Like we already were offering pre-customized bags, but we were just like, how do we kind of spin it into this new way that seems fun? That's kind of adapting how people are shopping today. And so it was just kind of reach, kind of understanding what our community, what our customers felt comfortable with, what they were looking for, and then adapting to that. Yes. Tell me about 2020 as a whole. Uh, I have here about 200% growth. Uh, how is this possible? <laughs> uh, yes. Not a lot of sleep. Um, <laughs> really, you know, for us, it's a year ago now, right? We, Libby and I came to Florida. It's a week before things really probably started shutting down. And it's March and it's spring break time, which is a huge time for us. Every single email we had planned was about spring break, was travel guides, was, you know, the duffel fits under the seat in front of you. And the first thought was stop everything, shut everything down. We need a strategy. And, you know, this is, if you go back a year or into the beginning of March, there people were hypersensitive, understandably. And brands were trying to figure out what you could and could not do. So I was like, just stop everything. Let's see how, what people are responding well to. Let's ask our customers and our followers on Instagram. Do you want to see new launches? Yes or no. Do you want to see this? Yes or no. And we were kind of reading what they were saying, talking to them, having a very open dialogue. And then we really went back to the roots of Stony Clover because we were bored out of our minds and we were sitting on the weekends making bracelets for ourselves. And I was posting them on Instagram and everyone's like, can you sell these? I'm like, okay. You know, our fulfillment center shut down in New York. 
We're, we're really, our online orders have slowed down a lot. We don't know when it's going to reopen. We still have amazing customers who are supporting us without even knowing when they're going to receive it. But there was so much uncertainty, but we could make the bracelets and we could pack them and ship them from home. So we did it. And those bracelets sold out in minutes. Then we were tie dyeing, like literally everybody else. But my sister Libby is incredible at tie dye. And so I was posting on Instagram wearing the tie dye. Can I buy them? And so we spent our weekends tie dyeing and we were shipping them out. And it was just, we did it with masks. We did it with everything. We were just adapting to what people wanted, coming out with new fun things, whatever we could be doing. And I think that really, it just, people were engaged. My biggest fear was, I don't want people to forget about Stony Clover. I don't want, you know, how do we keep them engaged and keep them coming back and not be like, oh, that travel brand, why can't travel? How do we kind of change the dialogue? Yes. Did you pull back on paid marketing? So we actually just started doing paid marketing very recently. So we weren't doing it at the time um, Mm -hmm. at all. Oh, great. Where are you putting your money now? So we're doing some paid um, on Instagram and across social. We... We look at, for us, our marketing really is goes uh, a lot with influencer gifting and creating those, putting money behind that. We just, because of the customizable aspect of the brand, we're really able to dive in to who we're gifting, what we're doing, make something feel super personal. And that, you know, it's not as, as simple as maybe another brand having a 200 person list and just sending out shampoo in a, in a cute box where we're putting the person's name, their initials, their dog's name, what they call their baby, like all of these things. But that's why they're then posting our product on Instagram because it's personal. It's something they would actually like, something they would actually use. So that's really a lot of where we're, our time and efforts and, and dollars are being spent as well. Yeah. So it's quality over quantity. I know that yeah. some huge celebs have proclaimed their love for the brand, but um, yes, Tell me about, um, I guess, who you would nor- normally be gifting to, who makes sense, and yeah. maybe, um, yeah, the, the actual quantity. It's it's about how many a quarter or a week or, um, yeah, is this the possible number, to go? Yeah, <laughs> I honestly can't quantify it. It changes daily, weekly, monthly. There's no strategy. It's really, we don't have, yes, there, you know, there, there's a budget and there's, there's ideas, but we really go based on what's happening. Are, you know, are people going traditionally go back a year? Are people going on trips? Let's get, make them something for their trip. It's back to nice. school. You know, kids need new backpacks. Um, someone just had a baby. Let's send them a gift. It's really nice. what's going on for the specific person. And for type of people, I mean, it, it can be, it can really go to anybody. I mean, I always say like, if you have an Instagram, you have influence. Um, and so we gift our customers often, we have a lot of customers who have a lot of influence and they have like, uh, sort of like micro Stony Clover communities. And so there was a a long time or for a good amount of time during, during the pandemic in this last year, that's kind of who we were focusing on gifting. We wanted to show our support and we knew they really could influence people. Um, but then, you know, there's Kim Kardashian and there's Casey Musgraves and, Sarah and Aaron Foster. There's, nice. you know, then there's some more fashion influencers. There's a, a little bit, a little bit of everything. And then it's looking into that person. So are they an influencer who typically only uses designer luggage? Great. We're not going to send them a duffel because they're not going to use it. So we're going to focus on sending them the bags that go inside the, those suitcases and kind of 
you know, looking at that and, and trying to really figure out what's their color scheme. Someone's, you know, not everyone's going to use pink. So do we go more neutral? Do we go more colorful? And really understanding who we're sending it to. That makes perfect sense. Tell me about this community. You mentioned kind of a crowdsourcing or reaching yes. out to to your followers to ask what they want to see um, when the pan- pandemic kind of started taking off here. Um, was that Were they used to that? Was that something that you had always done? Yeah. So Libby and I run the Instagram. We don't have anyone overseeing our social. And so we're the ones who are engaging with the community on a daily basis. And it's always been that way. But when the pandemic began, we had more free time. I wasn't going out to dinner at night. I wasn't doing things on the weekend. So I started talking more and more on Instagram, maybe beyond just which bag do you like better? Which do you recommend? We were diving into more conversation, talking more. And I loved it. And I felt that it really helped grow the community. And so we'd always asked for opinions. You know, Libby and I disagree on which color uh, we should do for something. And we say, which color do you guys like better? Whichever wins we go with. Um, Things like that. So they've always been engaged, but I think it really went up a step further during this last year about engaging them, crowdsourcing, and just making ourselves accessible to, to our customers. They're our greatest asset and our community. And they're, they're strong and they are mighty and they are loyal. And so we, we appreciate them. Yes. Tell me about, uh, I guess, connecting with the audience, making them uh, feel like part of the brand. You're doing some so cute things that I've never heard of before with the, um, the book club and your yeah. weekly Zooms. Were these happening prior to the pandemic? These were, all, these were both pandemic uh, initiatives. So our book club started as an in-office initiative started by uh, two girls, Claire and Ashley, who work for us. They wanted to do a book club. And I think there may have been one in-person meeting and then and then the pandemic happened. And so we would do it on Zoom. And when we would do it, all the people joining the club, uh, the session would like post on Instagram, take pictures and Stony Clover, we would reshare them and we would get so many messages. What is this? Can I join? What book are you guys reading? And so we're like, oh, let's let's make it bigger. And so we made it a company-wide, you know, a bigger initiative. We sell the books now online. We sell them in our stores. We've done Q&As with authors who are part of it. We've done, we do merch. We do like questions and and thought-provoking questions sometimes on social, all different things to kind of engage just beyond, beyond this typical Stony Clover product. And for us, I don't care if you buy the book from us or you go buy it on Amazon or you borrow your friends like that. It's really more just about growing that community um, and and really engaging with them. And then our Zoom session is, uh, we call it Stony Clover Lane University. And that started during the pandemic as well. Myself and everyone else were going live all the time on Instagram. And it just felt not personal. I, I totally understood and people were loving them, but we didn't have that like connection. I think everyone was lacking it and missing it in their daily lives. And so we're like, how do we kind of do something similar, but that feels more personal. And so we started this, we were like, let's one time, let's do a Q and a on zoom. People will like turn their cameras on. It'll feel a little more intimate. We might feel a little more open to sharing certain things that we have going on, knowing who is actually watching. And we did it once. It was so much fun. And it really was a lot. The questions were very business focused. 
And I, I love talking about it and helping, you know, other people grow their businesses. So we did it another time and another time. And it, we rebranded at Stony Clover University, um, Stony Clover Lane University. And it became this weekly Zoom session with different topics from marketing to influencer gifting to opening a store. And we, you know, I didn't go to business school. I didn't study business in college. Like everything I've learned about business has been through experience. And this is kind of like the knowledge that I wish I knew. I'm happy to share with others. And we found brands through our our community, um, brands that people own and have started during the pandemic or before that we started carrying in our stores um, and brought them on to do collabs, trunk shows, events, and things like that. So it's really just this amazing way to engage. And it's a free session. We're going to, we're on pause right now. We'll pick it back up soon though. And it's just been a lot of fun. So fun. Are you finding that your uh, audience is maybe uh, most engaged with that session? It's interesting because I was speaking with a young bra brand called Apricotten, and she was saying like her content, when she posts about starting a small business on TikTok, like that, that is the hottest content. There's like a small business community emerging on TikTok. Everybody's dying to know how especially yeah for for a startup with um from young girls um women how how that happened but yeah is that same experience yeah I think people love engaging I think you know where can you go you can go to TikTok you can go to YouTube but it's hard to find that information and we I tailor whatever I speak to to questions that are pre-submitted so people can write specifically about their experience what they're looking for you know I'm, I'm no traditional expert, but I think what we've, what I've been able to do and grow, I can speak to things to the best of my ability and try and offer insight. And I think so many people are so, you know, secretive when it comes to certain things. And I feel that for a lot of this, I I don't think there's anything wrong with being transparent. I'm not going to share our, you know, costs or, or certain things, but I I think there's so many, it's, it's very hard to under, to get real information of what it's like to grow a business. I think it sometimes appears too glamorous on Instagram. I think it's, it's really understanding what it takes and then being able to help nurture and encourage and grow these other, you know, businesses. I mentioned TikTok. I didn't see your brand on TikTok, so tell me if I'm wrong. But tell me what uh, channels are worthy of your your time and efforts. So we have a TikTok. Uh, we do have one. But so like I said, Libby and I manage the Instagram. It's always been that way. And, you know, we're, we know Instagram. It's what we know. TikTok, like I'm embarrassed to say, like, I don't really get TikTok. I'm not a TikTok. I try to go on. I, I watch certain videos or certain people I do like, but I've never, I haven't gone so into it. And so being, Libby actually loves TikTok, um, but we just haven't, that hasn't been where we focus. I don't think that's right. I actually think it's the wrong strategy. I think there's a lot we could be doing on TikTok. And I think it's more, I, I always, you know, we need to find the person who's the best at it. Libby and I are the best with the Instagram to be doing that. I am not the person to run the TikTok. And I think it's, I don't think we have that person right now. So I think it's finding, you know, I think it needs to be someone young, someone in high school, college, who, who really gets it and can create that content. Um, we, we post, we've done a few videos, but I think, yeah, it's something that we probably should, should get into more. It's, that's not a strategic decision to not be on TikTok. 
Yeah, well, lucky for you, people are posting on your behalf. I was seeing the hashtag, though I did not see the brand itself. Yeah. But hey, uh, you're there. <laughs> um, got to so, figure out how to be more visible. Yes. Um, so Instagram, you mentioned email. Um, any other kind of levers you're pulling? Collaborations, I know, are is a strategy. Yeah, collaboration is definitely big. Instagram is the main the main uh, channel when it comes to social. Uh, email is is there as well, but collaborations have been a huge, huge thing for us this past year and going into going into this upcoming year and next year, it's going to be even bigger. We, I love a collaboration from any other brands. Like I think it's such an amazing way to discover new brands or to see two brands you love come together and create something new and different. And so for us, it's kind of about both of those, you know, finding some brands that may be smaller that people learn about uh, through the collaborations that I've known about forever and love. One would be Donnie, a loungewear brand that I've known about. She actually started around the same time Sony Clover started. And I knew about Donnie since I was in college and I was wearing her loungewear all the time during the pandemic and we decided to collaborate. And so many people who bought that collaboration are buying her product and discovered her through our collaboration, which is exactly what we want to see. And then collaborating with bigger brands like a Hello Kitty um, and kind of creating just fun product together. So for us, it's really about finding finding some unique brands where we can be introduced to their audience, they're introduced to ours, and we can create something fun together, as well as working with brands we love that are bigger, that have a more global reach like a Hello Kitty. So it's more about expanding the audience versus maybe trialing a uh, a category. Yeah, no. For, yeah, it's not for us so much about trying a category. We like to be able to expand through the collabs, but it's not, I, I mean, I could be, you know, a year from now could be in a different situation. We like to explore the categories and offer them, but then when the collaboration is done, it's it's not something typically we're, we're looking to get any like information about. Yeah. Well, I'm sure it provides a little boost to offer something new and exciting. How often are you, are you doing seasonal collections? How often is your, your audience seeing new product pop up? All the time. Yeah. <laughs> Where do we, we try to follow a traditional calendar, you know, come out with a spring, summer, but we, there are so many ideas that we have and a lot of it feels kind of like collectible. So people, are always wanting what's new, what's next, and a piece of that. And so we have larger seasonal collections. We also have some one-offs. So we did like a little Valentine's collection. It sold out within a day. And it was just kind of fun, limited, get it while you can. And as we're going into the year later on, I think it's going to be a, a mix. It's going to be bigger collections and then some some smaller fun drops here and there. But we love coming out with new newness all the time. Yes. To what extent would you say uh, your community really, uh, I guess, uh, propped you up throughout the year last year, um, kept you afloat, kept you thriving? Um, not having that going in, what what kind of a year would you have had, I guess? I, I, I can't even, I can't imagine. I think it was, you know, with having that community and having, I think the best decision we made and you could, we could have easily made the opposite was when our website for our fulfillment was shut down. We were still taking orders, but you know, um, we could have been like, we are going to focus on something, you know, more corporate wise where we're focusing on strategy and big picture. 
we could have chosen to be like, I need to disconnect, but instead just choosing to connect and choose to spend our time answering DMs and talking, I think was the single best decision we could have made because it just, it made such, it made such a difference. And I feel like I have, you know, made friendships with a lot of our followers. I feel like I, I've, I ask their opinions often. I'll just send them a message. What do you think of this? Do you like this idea? Like, if you could have any collab, what would it be? Like, uh, you know, going to specific people. And so I think that, you know, I, I think it was, it's the most important thing for us. And that's really what helped us survive. And combined with getting creative. Because I think it's, you know, that we then had to create products that people wanted. So if we, the community could only go so far if there was nothing for them to then buy. And so the community for a little while and, you know, starting it off there, combining with coming out with, with new innovative product there so often. I mean, in April, May, June, we were doing it, something new every week. Yes. Nice. Uh, speaking of kind of the need to say something on social media, you mentioned kind of asking your audience around the start of the pandemic, what do you want to see from us? Um, let's talk about maybe like in May and June, did, did your, did your, uh, followers know where you stood in terms of your values. Did you kind of have to make a statement about black light or, you know, of course you do, but, um, do you, did you ask them like, what do you want to see from us or what do you want from us? Or, um, what happened, um, in that summertime period? Yeah, I think it was a combination of knowing that the, what our customers and what our community want to hear is so important to us, but we also know where our values are. And it can go so it can we can take it so far. So, you know, there's going to be people who disagree with putting out a statement. I don't really care. You know, I, I disagree and we are going to do what we feel is right. So, yes, we put out we put out a statement, but a statement is words until you can prove otherwise. And I think for us, it was about it was a, a time that was eye opening. I will. I mean, I think everyone would say they learned a lot. Um, I was able to have conversations and difficult conversations with followers to to understand what was important to them we were able to relook at our priorities and we were able to understand and it's it's looking back it's like i can't believe it it maybe took something to really make us think this way but we needed to have more black owned businesses in our store we had some but let's take let's take it up you know let's just try and discover and cultivate newer brands. Um, one, one, a woman owned brand, uh, Dana Scott is one that I found through SCLU and through the pandemic and being able to do things with her. So I think we, I think we learned a lot. I think we were able to listen, but I think when it when at the end of the day, we know what's, we know what's right. We know what we need to do. And we've always social issues, social justice has always been a, a cornerstone of Stony Clover. We sell social issues patches where the proceeds um, benefit various causes, but we have had for maybe it's around two years, like a Black Lives Matter patch. We have for different causes, mental health, animals, um, safe schools and gun, gun control. So we have definitely looked at different causes that are important to us and make sure our followers in our community know that. And then it's about amplifying it, I think even more. Absolutely. You mentioned um, the fulfillment issues. What were some other challenges you faced in the last year? That was the biggest. I mean, nothing compares. It's, you know, we each bag, you purchase it on our website and someone customizes it. Someone then has to go 
find the bag and the patches. Someone lays it out. Somebody sews it. Somebody quality controls it. Somebody packs it and ship it. And so we had to scale down the amount of employees uh, that we could have. We had to work, you know, different shifts, different schedules, obviously try to be understanding to also people's lives and, and their needs during the time. Um, but we were able to, it took a long time and people were actually very patient with us and understanding, which I can't thank enough. Um, but we were able to get it on track and actually it gave us this push to, to make it right. And now we're in a great place where our fulfillment is hopefully knock on wood running very smoothly and we're able to kind of get that output that we were hoping for. And so it took this like six months, maybe stretch of, of a bumpy road to be able to get there, but it's definitely worth it. Yes. What were the holidays like, I guess, compared to years prior? Holidays were crazy. It was definitely our, our most successful holiday season. But what we learned from the past and our fulfillment issues is we have a certain number of people, they have a certain output and you can't, there's nothing you can do to increase that. Um, you can hire seasonal employees and things like that. But at a certain point, it's not, we can't do an unlimited amount. And so what we did this year for the first time, and I think this will definitely be a Stony Clover staple going forward, is instead of doing our holiday sale on Black Friday, we introduced Stony Clover Saturday. It was the first Saturday of November. Um, that was our sale. It allowed us an additional three, four weeks to be able to get out those sale orders. So we were able to ha- offer a much more, a greater amount of sale. In the past, we've had to cut it off. So we can't guarantee Christmas shipping or we can't guarantee this. And this time we were able to take the whole day of sales. They all were able to arrive by the holidays and we were able to keep up also with full price demand. So that was great. Nice. Are discounts, promotions saved for these special occasions? What's your approach overall? Yeah, we very rarely do discounts. And I think for us, it's it's two things. One is it, we, we replenish, right? So a big percentage of our business is these core colors that are not going anywhere, core styles, and they're not seasonal. Um, and, and the second for us is and people, you know, obviously people have different perspective on what's cheap and what's expensive. And someone's going to look at our price and say it's extremely expensive. But a lot of companies who are running sales very often, that's built into their price point. So people don't necessarily know that or want to see, want to hear that. But if you're seeing a 20% off sale every other week, their prices are 20% higher. And for us, we want to be able to offer the most fair price that we are able to without having built in these discounts. And our seasonal product really sells sells well. We're able to plan pretty accordingly that we our holiday sales, for the most part, the biggest sale, we actually did a sale. Um, we did one other sale. We did it last week. Um, but that will be it. There won't be any other sales. Got it. Fundraising. Are you fundraising now? What's, have you fun, um any rounds to date, I guess? Uh, no, we're self-funded. Amazing. I yeah. never hear that. <laughs> Short and sweet answer. Yeah. Um, talk to me about 2021. What can we expect to see from the brand uh, besides the additional maybe two stores? Yeah, so new stores, uh, maybe more than that. Um, a lot of amazing, amazing collaborations that have been in the works for a year plus that I'm so excited about. Um, new products, new collections. And I think just we're not trying to 
become someone we're not. I think it's really about taking the brand that we've grown and and making it better and more fun and more exciting. Sounds good to me. Now, what pe- what are people buying now? Last question. <laughs> a little bit of everything. I mean, people are ready to travel, whether it's on a plane or a road trip. So our, our travel, you know, really everything can be used for anything, but a duffel, a passport case, we're starting to see more sales, more of those sales. Um, People, people, people want anything fun. People Is it too touchy? Are you able to market that concept? Get ready to travel. We try to steer away from just even talking about travel, but of course, people are. You can a, you can use the bags for so many for so many uses, but b, people are doing it in what feels what feels right for them. We're just not yelling it to everybody at this point. Right on, but we we all know they're thinking it. <laughs> We're ready. All right, Ken. And stuff will say like, can't wait to travel, but it's not dedicated emails about stock up for your travel. <laughs> yeah, it'll come. Yeah, I think that's smart. <laughs> Kendall, thank you so much for being here. This was so fun. Thank you. That's all for this episode. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. Be sure to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to the Glossy Podcast. See you next week.